Friday edition of the Sports Machine with Slim has commenced. So many things to get to today, people. Get ready. The Boston Bruins are in a rut. It's official. We have to talk about that with Thomas Polk, our uh, NHL hockey expert. He'll be on the show today. Where it has it, the pistol will be on to uh, no doubt rub my nose and a sort of the other noses in his uh, victory prediction of Kansas City winning the Super Bowl correctly. Last time you heard from him on the airwaves here at WKXL Radio. Caitlin Clark last night, huge night for her. I'm going to get to lead story on ESPN. Everybody's probably heard about it, but uh, we've been tracking it. She should be in the NBA. All-star festivities this weekend in the three-point shooting contest. But she's not Sabrina Ionescu. Is that who is squaring off against Steph Curry? We'll get to some more discussion about Caitlin Clark, obviously, today. But I wanted to start out with the story, as I sometimes do. I went yesterday to my son's school. He wanted to see a basketball game. His school was playing against Hampton out in the eastern side of New Hampshire, Hampton Beach area. And we went to the game and his school lost. I think the final score was 54 to 40. The reason why I'm telling you this is just a story and a commentary on the younger generation and the impact that television has on the younger generation. Much to my dismay, with about 30 seconds left in the game, 54 to 40, you see the other team come over half court, and they've been going up and down all game. I mean, teams are firing threes, missing a lot. It wasn't the highest level of competitive basketball, to be quite honest with you, but it was fun enough to watch. I saw some things I could have uh, you know, advised on as a coach with my incredible coaching background, but uh, I, I, for the most part, just tried to cheer and clap a little bit. I didn't think there was enough of that, actually, um, either. But nonetheless, as I said, up and down action, back and forth. 30 seconds left. The other team dribbles the ball over half court. The kids want to play. Like, some of these kids that were in the game hadn't been in for the entirety of the two quarters that I had seen. Uh, I got there a little late. But, I mean, by that time in the game, there were three or four kids on each team who hadn't played much at all. Well, the other team comes over, crosses half court, 30 seconds left, and they're going to start to do something, and they're like, oh, no, no, this is where we're not supposed to play anymore. That's what we've seen on the NBA. Oh, we're not supposed to play. So the other team just kind of stops the point guard. Everybody's looking around. Point guard just kind of stay in one spot dribbling, as you would see the NBA players do in this ridiculous thing that has taken hold of this game. It's so annoying. Just go and shoot the ball, dude. Are we really afraid of hurting somebody's feelings? Oh, my God. It drives me crazy when the NBA players do this. It's so sad. Oh, you shot the, sh- shot the ball with, you know, 30 seconds left, and we're down by 20. You're trying to rub our noses in it. Listen, you baby. Be quiet. If you didn't like it, play harder or play better. But let's keep this contained here to 6th through 8th grade basketball. And I'm seeing the kids, like, just standing around. And then, okay, the point guard's like, all right, I'm going to pass to somebody. 30 seconds, countdown. Like, come on, let's, let's, let's do something. What are we standing around for, dude? You guys need practice, trust me. So he passes it to somebody. He passes it over to another kid who hasn't shot all game. He wasn't playing at all. Then the crowd, a couple of people are like, hey, shoot it. Dude. I forget the dude's name. But the kid's like, oh, yeah. I'm shooting it. So he jacks the ball up. It's a miss. That's totally cool, dude. The, my son's team gets the ball, travels up the court, and 
then they're like, oh, no, we're not supposed to shoot now. And they didn't shoot the ball. Like, they just let the last seven, eight seconds of the game drown out. And I'm watching like, dude, what are you guys watching on TV, man? <laughs> like, you're letting these NBA players tell you not to have fun anymore. Like, don't play. The kids who hadn't played in the game at all were sitting on the bench. Now I have to be like, oh, okay, let's just stand around. Like, whose feelings were getting hurt at that point? Nobody's. Play. Play the game. You need practice. So that's my rant to start the day. Let's get people informed on another topic that nobody has any clue about. I'm uh, somewhat certain. And I uh, have a guest to come on the show and tell us a little bit about it. Uh, This guest is somebody who hosts a live show here on WKXL every day, Ken Kale. Welcome, Ken. Well, Slim, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Great to be on your show. Yeah, thank you very much for calling. Uh, I'm thrilled that you're going to be able to to give us some insight because I don't know a lot about this topic. I've been learning about the NHL uh, professional ranks of hockey, but there is a pretty tremendous story going on right here in the Concord, New Hampshire area with the Concord High School boys hockey team that I'd love your help in uh, explaining to our listening audience. Well, happy, happy to give it to you. We have a, a big game coming up, the Concord High Crimson Tide, sitting atop the uh, NHIAA Division One hockey standings uh, with a record of 12-1-1. and We'll take on Londonderry at tomorrow night at the Everett Arena on Loudon Road, 5.30 faceoff, Londonderry 13-2-0. and so first place is on the line tomorrow night at the Everett Arena in Concord at 5.30. And uh, they've met once this year, Concord and Londonderry. That was at the Tritown Ice Arena in Hookston. And uh, the uh, Crimson Tide of Concord came out on top by a score of 7-5. to five. So uh, it could be a wide-open game. Uh, like the one they played earlier this year, or it could be a tight checking game. We'll have to wait and see. How much uh, checking is night. allowed, Ken? How, how much checking is allowed in high school hockey? I have no idea. Yeah, pr- pretty much. I mean, it's, it's pretty much wide open. I mean, uh, uh, body checking, uh, uh, stick checking, poke checking, you name it. Uh, it it's pretty much uh, all all allowed. It's fair game. So uh, it's uh, it's a great brand of hockey if you've never seen it. It's Terrific to watch. I know that the Everett Arena is going to be packed uh, tomorrow night at 5.30 for this big game, biggest game of the season for both of these teams as uh, the schedule is winding down. Concord has four games left tomorrow night at 5.30 at home against Londonderry. Then Monday at the Sullivan Arena on the St. Anselm campus, they will be uh, taking on Bedford, an arch rival of theirs, uh, the Bedford Bulldogs. And uh, Wednesday night, they'll be at Keene. And then one week from tomorrow night, they will close the regular season at home against Hanover, one of the hottest teams in Division One, a team that handed Concord its first regular season loss in three years earlier this week. I saw one so, to four. That was one to four, the final score. Did you call that game? Because people that don't I know, did. Ken Kale yep. here, he goes to uh, these Concord High School hockey games and does a live Facebook feed out to the public so people can watch, you know, relatives of the kids that are playing and just fans of the school that want to see the school play 
and, and they can't make it live to the game, they can go on a Facebook page and and hear and listen to a call of the of the game and see the action going on with Ken there. So, Ken, what page do people go to on Facebook to find that? It is the Concord High School Boys Hockey Facebook page. Just go Concord Boys uh, Hockey Facebook page, and you'll be all set. And uh, we'll begin promptly at 5.30 tomorrow night. But if you can possibly be there, I mean, it's going to be rocking tomorrow night. I can guarantee that at the uh, Everett Arena. The stands will be packed. So there'll be a lot of people there watching and also a lot of people uh, watching on the Facebook feed as well because it is the biggest game of the schedule so far in Division One, with the season winding down. You said the stadium's going to be rocking, Ken. Does Concord turn out like a serious fan base? Is it all the students that go? Do they wear certain colors? They got certain chants? How wild do these kids get? Uh, oh, yeah. No, it, it gets pretty loud, especially on a Saturday night. You know, it's not a school night. And, uh, you know, everybody's going to have probably uh, two days to recover uh, this weekend with uh, Monday being the holiday. But, uh, no, it gets loud, and uh, Concord has a great fan base. Not only does the student body turn out, but uh, they, they have a lot of fans. Of course, the parents are there. But beyond that, I mean, the team, because of its great success uh, over the years, uh, you know, usually uh, comes very close uh, to packing the place at the Everett Arena. So, And I think tomorrow night there will be not only fans from Concord there, but uh, you know, Londonderry will be well represented as well. So it's going to be a great night. I mean, if you like hockey at any level, uh, then uh, tomorrow night would be uh, the game to take in at 5.30 uh, tomorrow evening. And the rematch from earlier in the year, like you mentioned, Concord's yeah. number one seed, I think, right now. Wyndham is slid in there somewhere. It's Concord, Wyndham, and Londonderry seem to be the three best teams for boys hockey in the state. And you got this yep. rematch coming up tomorrow night. So the winner of Concord and Londonderry is going to go a long ways towards uh, saying, hey, we're the best team entering the playoffs, which is coming up soon, right, Ken? You bet. The uh, playoffs will begin uh, not this coming Wednesday, but the Wednesday after that. So uh, they are right around the corner, corner, and you know that the Crimson Tide will be a big part of them once the postseason gets underway. Right on, Ken. Thanks very much for giving us that preview right there. That's Ken Kale. We're going to be checking in with Ken a little more often if he's up for doing it as we approach the playoffs. Just seems like uh, that's something we should be talking about here on WKXL Radio, the sports machine with Slim. You're listening on 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. While we're on the topic of hockey, let's do Bruins next. news that people that follow the sports machine with Slim regularly will want to pay attention to here. Do we know Saturday tickets for the Belmont Stakes at Saratoga? Saturday general admission is sold out. I told you the other day, these are $57 a piece. It's usually $10 to get into the track. They're sold out. General admission. Remember the other day when I was buying them on the air? I got eight of those? Those things are going to be up in value, dude. Sold out already. What? You better get your Friday tickets early. 
That's uh, that's the note out to my friends and uh, circles here on the Sports Machine with Slim. Okay, is that breaking news out of the way? Let's get over to the Bruins because we got to do something. Uh, I'm a man that tries to stay more level-headed nowadays that I host a radio show, and I want people to be able to come on and interview on the show and not have controversial takes from me in the past steer them away. A uh, man who knows a little bit about this, Thomas Polk, is our resident hockey expert, and he's on the line to help me break down the, the status of this Bruins team. Good morning to you, Thomas. Come on, Jim. I'm not, me. I'm not thrilled. I'm not thrilled right now. I did say, though, over the last week, the, the road trip that's coming up for the Bruins, where we play six out of seven games on the road, starting late next week, I think, that's going to tell us what we need to know about the team. But, I mean, it's tough to ignore right now. What do we got? We got one win one tie and three straight out losses since the All Star break. That's not good. It's definitely not what they're expected, right? You have that seven game home stretch, and you're hoping to probably get out on top of it. Probably, hopefully, win five of those seven. But obviously, that's not the way it's going right now. And uh, just got to adjust a little, but they're not playing as bad as the results are showing. Last night, I thought they were the much better team. In fact, I think it was Jack Edwards and, and Brick were on the, the telecast. And I can't believe we're down 2 nothing right now because it seemed like the Bruins were actually dominating the action. As I watched, Thomas, I was like, yeah, we're clearly the better team. It seemed like we were bigger, faster, had more opportunities, but they just weren't going in the net. Oh, they came out flying. If you looked at the first five minutes, right? Uh, you know, the first five, six shots, it was all Bruins. They were all over them. But their goalie made some great saves. He was right in there, and you know, and even though I, I believe, if I'm not completely mistaken here, we actually went up one nothing on Pasta's goal there. A little bit of a lucky break on his end, but you know, when you're a goal scorer like him and you're getting all these opportunities, you're going to get some bounces. But then going forward in the first with the tie there from Everly, which was a nice power play goal in their end, uh, then they got a little lucky, a couple of tough breaks on the Bruins end, right, with a little. He'll pick down Carlo. Mm. But overall, I think they had plenty of chances to win that game, and they just don't seem to go in right now. But we said it a few days ago when we talked about the last game. At the end of the day, maybe you want them to save a couple of lucky bounces for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. well, that's it. If you're going to struggle, I'd rather have us be struggling now. Just to hit on one point you mentioned about the goalie, I guess this Joey Descard guy who was in net for Seattle last night at 36 saves, I guess he grew up in Boston. So that, that must yeah. be a pretty cool story. Do you know much about him? Um, well, his dad's actually in the hockey business, too. started one of the bigger goalie development programs in our area. Uh, and, you know, obviously for his son to come through and do that well. I believe he played in college out in Arizona. Uh, his dad moved around, was also a goalie coach in the NHL. I think worked for the Bruins for a little bit as well. So, you know. He's been in the business, family's in the business, but he's a, he's definitely having a year. Like, he's been incredible. He made the All-Star game, and you know he's standing on his head right now. Rock-solid response right there, Thomas. You got some good info, man. We didn't prep that at all. You just knew that because you follow hockey and uh, you're a former NHL player and you love it, where you played in the league for five years. Let me ask this question. Let's see how smart you are on this. In the Bruins' last few games here, their last 15 Power play opportunities. How many goals have they scored, do you think? 
Well, if you're asking me like this, I'm going to say none or one. None. <laughs> Zero. Yeah, your first, go with your first instinct, my man. What's happening? At the beginning of the season, I was like, wow, our power play looks great. And that stood out to me because in years past, our power play kind of stunk. I thought at the beginning we were rocking and rolling. And statistically, I thought we were at the top of the league for a while as far as percentages, like opportunities versus how many goals we were getting. What's going wrong on the power play right now? Can you see it all? No, I think it's one of those things. The chemistry is there. They're all good players. Sometimes you're gripping the stick a little too tight and it's just not working. I'm not too worried about the power play. They'll, they'll be just fine going in. And it's, it's a big part, right? You want to win your special uh, special teams game, whether it's the shorthanded stuff, uh, parts that you need to do a good job on, or the power play obviously is a big uh, reason why teams win. So that's definitely something they need to clean up on, but I'm not too worried. they got enough talent on that team to take care of that. Well, you got to be better than the 0 for 15. And, and something tells me, Thomas, this might be the time of the season here where inside of a, a, a player's head you start to wonder, are we going to make trades? The trading deadline's coming up here within a couple weeks. And I know I had mentioned a, a month or two ago, I said, you know, we, we, need to, we need to maybe trade for somebody. How are we going to do this? And I had mentioned that, that Brandon Carlo, to me, seems a little bit... Of, of a weak link to my untrained eye. And I know you, you came back positive, as you always do. You're very supportive. I love your attitude. But last night, when you just fall down out of nowhere, like there has to be some repercussions for that. He totally gave up a goal in a big spot of the game just by falling down. I, I, just, I wish I did some more stats accumulation. I, I'm just not sure what he does extremely well for this team. So... Rather than have you criticize him, what could what would be available potentially for a trade package? Would Brandon Carlo be appealing to other teams? Let me hear you talk about his good stuff. Well, of course he would. I think he's been in the league for quite a while. He's like great defensively. He's not really a big offensive weapon for the Bruins, but he doesn't have to be. But his right. plus minus over the years, right? Like um, he's always been positive in, in his entire career. And you know, again, he eats up a lot of minutes. He's a big body. The heel picks there, I'm sure he would want that back. But, you know, that just shows you they're human, too. They're not going to be uh, 10 seasons where that stuff doesn't happen. And it happens to the best of them. So it's one of those things. Like, even if you look back at Pittsburgh this year, they won the power play. They pulled the goalie, and Malkin put it in his own net. Right? And here's a future Hall of Fame guy. And you look at that and go, well, you know, that stuff just happens. But does he want that one back? 100%. You know? Uh, the Bruins are going to make some trades. I'm pretty sure they will. Uh, what they're going to do, I think, will probably depend on the salary cap. I mean, that's a big uh, issue for most of the teams that are at the top there. So even if they would want to trade him and get something, maybe with a little bit of different skill set to help out, you know, Charlie McAvoy and Lindholm. Yes. But, you know, it's just a matter of can we squeak him under the cap and what are people willing to pay for him? But I'm not so sure if it's going to be him that they're going to, uh, send away in the first place. Well, I wonder. He's 27 years old, Brandon Carlo, uh, six feet five inches tall. So the dude is an absolute monster. I will say on the season, he's got three goals, 10 assists. So, you know, it's plus minus, hey, it, it's great. But when you play for the team that has the best record, you know, I think uh, Jim, Jim from the, or Slim from the sports machine could probably show up and have a positive plus minus, not for nothing. And I, you know, how many less goals I'd have than three? 
it'd be three. Uh, <laughs> which is not not a ton. Not to say I could be out there, but I, I just feel that the Bruins, like you said, Charlie McAvoy. The more I watch him, Thomas, boy, he is he is some special offensive talent. And uh, and uh, is it Carlo that gets paired with him most often? Uh, I, I think Carlo is playing with Lindholm actually, right? Because he's a right shot defenseman. Lindholm is a lefty, and then. Charlie's obviously that number one guy, but I, I might be mistaken. It might be switching back and forth, obviously, because of the ice time that Charlie gets. He's out there with multiple defensemen. But, I mean, statistically speaking, you know, Carlo has the third most ice time on the Bruins. He does, so okay. He does play a lot, and he's really good at the penalty kill. Uh, gets a lot of minutes to eat up there. And, you know, the offensive side is not really his, number one. If you look at his career, that was never his thing and never known to be one of the more offensive defensemen in the league. But, you know, defensively speaking, he's right around the 18 to 20 minutes every every year that he's played. And it's plus minus, obviously, if you're on a better team that's at the top of the standings, you're going to look better than the team on the bottom. That's just the way it goes, right? Yes. Uh, there's no way around it. But, uh, I mean, he definitely has some value on this team. Uh, I can't see them trade him away. Okay. Uh, I might be wrong, but I just don't see them trading one of their top four defensemen. If anything, they're probably going to look at their number five, six, and seven defensemen and see if they can improve a little bit there um, to maybe give the other defensemen a little less ice time to keep some energy for the player. Well, right on. Can we play, just in like a couple words, can you play Lindholm and McAvoy on the ice at the same time in the playoffs? Oh, I think you can, and I think they're going to have to eat up a lot of minutes. If you look back at when Colorado won, they had McCarr and Dave on the ice for a lot of the game. So the Bruins want to be successful. Those two guys are definitely it. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah, Charlie McAvoy, I mean, his offensive ability is great, but the more I watch on D2, I'm like, no, this guy is better than I ever knew he was. Thank you very much, Thomas Polk, for that insight. I love the level head of the approach all the time. Let's not be too quick to react in society out there nowadays, everybody. This is the Sports Machine with Slim on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Caitlin Clark coming up next. Clark from the logo for three. Did you hear the call last night? She went into the game last night for Iowa against Michigan. Caitlin Clark trying to become the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball. And she was only seven points away to start the game, so she knew she was going to break it. And as I didn't watch it live, I saw the replays. I see or I hear the call of the announcer say, and here comes Caitlin Clark. How's she going to go? How's she going to break the record? Something like that. And I look at the score, and it was 5-6. to six. And then I see her get over half court, barely over half court, dribbles to the logo, all in one motion, totally boom, boom, fires away from downtown, drains it. And everybody starts celebrating. The announcer calls, and I'm like, oh, there's a scoring in the eight. Uh, you know, they have eight points in the game. Well, she must have had the first five. She's got all eight. Sure enough, she scores the first eight points. She breaks the record. Guess what? She goes on to finish the game with 49 points, breaks the Iowa record, I guess was 48 in a game, 
held by uh, Megan Gustafson. She clinches the record all-time points scored by a woman in NCAA basketball in a 106-89 win over Michigan. She also had 13 assists. She was responsible for 79 of 106 points scored by her team. I need some commentary from somebody other than me. The pistol is on the line. The pistol knows a thing or two about basketball. What do you have to say about Caitlin Clark's effort, pistol? Silence. Radio silence from the pistol. I love to hear it. Oh, there he is. Now the pistol's in there. We were just building up some suspense. What do you think about Caitlin Clark's effort last night, pistol? Uh, Viva la pistola. That's right, Slim. I'm bringing in the Hispanic (laughs) listeners with my multilingual skills, expanding the reach of the show from the Merrimack Valley to the shores of the Iberian Peninsula. The pistol is smoking hot like Caitlin Clark on a Thursday night in Iowa. How about I drop 49 while I fire away from the sports machine logo? Let's do this. Right in my mug. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, come on in and just rub my nose in it. I said the 49ers were going to win last Sunday. You said the Chiefs. You were correct. I was incorrect. Slim, all I did was pick the team with the GOAT, the coaching advantage, and the second-best defense in the league. So obvious. As obvious as if you got every human on the planet to join hands around the equator, most of them would drown, obviously. But... (laughs) Decal, Brother Dave and Slim all outsmarted themselves, went with emotions, and the GOAT took their money. This is how to do it, Pistol. I, I, it's almost as if uh, you, you know, we should want to bet whatever your next prediction is, <laughs> even though the rest of your life has been an example and opposite is the best way to go. Now it's like, okay, I guess I got to jump on. So what are we going to talk about today? You got some, some guaranteed picks for UFC you're going to want to run by us? There's a big UFC event this weekend, is there not? Big UFC event, UFC 298, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Ilya Toporia. Ilya Toporia is from Spain, and if he wins, he'll be the first champion from Spain. Uh, really oh. the first fighter from Spain who's any good at all. Uh, it's pretty rare to have great fighters emerge from places that have great beaches and beautiful women, but this guy somehow has done it. Doing a little research on him, it turns out his family emigrated from Georgia, rough life in Georgia, Opened up an MMA gym in Spain. He's become a the first top flight fighter from Spain, and I really want this guy to win. So he's currently the underdog. Volkanovski's defended his title five times, which is a lot of times in the UFC. Wow. He's, a, he's a great, great fighter. And Ilya has not really matched up against any of the top flight fighters in that division. So this is really like uh, him just kind of jumping in there. But he looks like he's ready to do so. Where is this event being held, UFC 298? Uh, I believe it's in Anaheim, California. Okay, so why is this dude from Spain getting this chance to jump up into a championship fight? So he's been in the UFC for three years, I think. Uh, Undefeated, hasn't lost anyone, and he's looked pretty spectacular in doing so. I think he's 14-0 at the moment. So, And one of the problems is Volkanovski has pretty much defeated all of the good fighters in the division. What weight so class What weight class are we talking? Featherweight. Which is how, so, about how much do they weigh? These are the small guys? Yeah, these are pretty small guys. I 
think it's 145 is when I, what I want to say. So for these, these are the ones that are best pistol because my brother weighs like 290. My brother Dave, who calls the show every now and then, and it's so great when we watch these fights, especially when we were younger. He's like, dude, I would crush that guy. Like, And he feels so confident because the dude weighs 145 pounds. He's like, if I get my hands on him, I am going to just like suffocate this guy. And then people watching the fights will be like, no way, this guy's the best in the world. Like, he would, he would take you down, chop away at your legs. But my brother would be like, no, he wouldn't even get near me. My reach would keep him away. Which way would you go on this pistol? Would this guy take down my brother Dave today? My brother Dave, who's, what, 46 years old, I think. Yeah, oh, I, these guys, so they, they come in at weight, weighing 145, but these guys dehydrate hydrate their bodies big time before. So you're probably talking these guys are real life. They're probably around 170. Right. No way, and, dude. 155 or something. No way, 170. 25 I mean, pounds? I, yeah, I think these guys are... It's the, but anyway, the, the biggest problem is they're short, <laughs> right? They're, they're all like 5'5", five 5'6". Foot five, five foot like, they're really, really short guys. My brother Dave's 6'7". Go ahead. Sorry. Right. And so... I, you know, I'd love to see the fight, but these guys are professional <laughs> fighters, right? I mean, they're, they're going to hit your brother two times. It's going to be that. Which would you rather see? Choke him out. Pistol, seriously, if you're going to pay pay-per-view, which would you rather see? These two guys fight tomorrow night, or would you rather see Ilya fight my brother Dave tomorrow night? <laughs> oh, I'd love to see brother Dave get in the ring with one of these guys. <laughs> what a complete enjoyment. Even more fun, I would like to see one on Slim versus Caitlin Clark 1v1. That would be an awesome matchup. Caitlin Clark bombing from deep, slim trying to defend her. She she is just a tremendous athlete, tremendous player. Up to eleven, like just on one basket, you know, like winners stay. How many would I score against her? What would be the final score if I start with the ball? I'd say she beat me probably eleven to three. Would be my guess. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good guess. Three right. might be giving yourself too much credit. Well, I yeah. Well, uh, you might be right. I mean, could I stop her? I'd have to get out and challenge the three. I wouldn't be gassed because I wouldn't need to go up and down the court. I could challenge her three effectively. Like she's not going to nail eleven threes in a row with me somewhat in her face. But and she's not going to get the rebound afterward either. But it doesn't matter. How am I going to score against her? I guess try to back her down. I'm not the best post player. I just try to back her down because I got a weight advantage, right? I mean, how crazy was she last night where she pulled up from the logo awesome. to break the record, right? Like, you know she had that plan. Exactly. And it did. It wasn't like she had a plan. You know, it wasn't forced. It was just in total rhythm. How good is she? Like, I want to watch her play in not only in the, the NCAA tournament when it comes up for the women, and I'm going to root for Iowa all the way through 100%, but even in the WNBA, she might be the first player that makes me want to watch those games. Yeah, she, she is changing viewership of women's basketball and she is so much fun to watch. Like, I have been watching a lot of her highlights late, lately, and I even have coworkers telling me, you know, they're, they're watching every one of her games, right? So we've, we've got people who are starting to follow, like, Iowa women's basketball more than they're following any, you know, men's college basketball team. Exactly. Yeah, I would say it's to that level, right? I, I know more about Iowa's basketball team and, and what's going on there than I do in the men's, which is a shame. Maybe it's just because of the inundation of, like, so much college basketball for the men's stuff. It's all over the TV, so many different teams. Could that be why? These people that you talk to at work, do they watch, like, other sports or they just watch an Iowa basketball? <laughs> yeah, I, I think they watch a lot of Celtics and a lot of Iowa basketball uh college basketball i think those are like the two teams i think what you got to do with college is you either got to pick a division you want to follow or pick a team like since uconn is around here and they're usually competitive it's like jump on the uconn train 
and watch UConn men's basketball. If you'd done that last year, it would have been an awesome tournament run because they ended up winning it all, right? So same thing this year. I think UConn's got a great team this year. They're going to be right in it. They're a fun team to follow. I'm following Tennessee, and I just think the SEC in general has the best athletes. I think basketball is caught up to football and all the money that's in the football programs down there with all the, you know, the gym space and everything like that. I, I just think the athletes they're recruiting there in the SEC are nuts. I, lo- I love Tennessee. I'm, I'm big on them. I think they're going to win it all. Yeah, and, and the SEC has really improved from a basketball perspective. Big time. They used to be a nothing school. Right. You know, most of the schools Kentucky. were nothing. Kentucky, and that was it. In the SEC, yeah. they would be the only team that made the tournament a few years. And they would win it all sometimes that, that year. Yeah, and last year we had Alabama, who was number one in the country for a long time. Brandon Miller was, like, what, the number two or number three yeah. pick in the in the draft. And Arkansas I mean, that, knocked it, off a number one seed. I forget who it was, right? Arkansas knocked off a number one seed, I'm pretty much, in that tournament last year, too. Yeah, and, and Arkansas went, I, I think they were Final Four last year. Like, they were really good last year. Big, good defensive team. Pistol, do you want to hold on through the break? You got anything else for us? Yeah, that'd be great. All right, we'll let you hold on through the break and see what happens here. This is the Sports Machine with Slim, WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Sports Machine with Slim, New Hampshire's next generation sports talk radio show. The best callers in the country, people. This is where we are here, right? WKXL Radio. The pistol held on the line. I'm going to uh, read to you, Pistol, a comment I have from my brother Dave, who apparently is listening to the show. Is that okay? Yeah, I want to hear it. Pistol, so uninformed. Arkansas beat Kansas. Then got crushed in the round of 16 by UConn. I can't take him seriously. He probably thinks Ronda Rousey would kick my rear end. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely right about that. You think Ronda Rousey would destroy my brother Dave? Oh, she'd choke him out in like, it'd be like a two-minute fight. No way. Absolutely no chance of this. Not in two minutes. No way. She's she's not going to get through. He's just going to like put the hand out like you would do to any other object to keep it an arm's length away. She's not going to get close enough to that to 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 get to him. He's going to be able to push her away for much more than two minutes, dude. You know, there's there's a bunch of jujitsu gyms around here. I think what we got to do is we got to bring Dave into one of these local jujitsu gyms. I'll get a girl. You know, I'll get a girl here in New Hampshire. She'll be. Under 150, we bring Brother Dave in, right? And we just set the match up. We go, here we go. Get him up. Let's, let's go on the mat, right? That would be a ton of fun. I just hope Brother Dave can walk out of the gym. Well, that's it. That's, we don't want Brother Dave and his uh, confidence, you know, to, to result in, like, broken, uh, what is it, tibia or fibia? What's the low pot? Like, there'd have to be some rules where she can't do, like, this low kick to below the knee areas. Because, I, yeah, I don't think we like, timber, just chopping away on the knee. <laughs> oh, no, she got him again. I like <laughs> How much would tickets be to this event? We're definitely charging people to get in the door for this one. Oh, absolutely, man. This is like, this is, we got the sports machine with Slim covering live. live. <laughs> Brother Dave versus the New Hampshire Jiu-Jitsu women's champion. <laughs> it's time! 
<laughs> so Ilya's fighting this Alexander Volkanovsky guy. Where is Alexander Volkanovsky from? I'm assuming Russia or some one of the Baltic He's a, he's an Australian guy. There's a oh. big gym in Australia that's produced a lot of great fighters. And he's probably the greatest of them all. He's been ranked as uh, one of the basically the number one pound for pound guy for uh, a number of years, and he's you know probably two or one, two or three now. Uh, the only loss that Volkanovski has is he's been going up in weight and trying to get two belts, and he's lost to the oh. champion in the uh, lightweight division two times now. Okay, so, so uh, tell the people here, just so I know, in case I watch this, Ilya, how's he going to win? Is it going to be by striking or wrestling? Like who wants to take the other one to the ground because they know they'll have an advantage if they're wrestling? Yeah, I think Volkanovski is the guy who's going to have the wrestling advantage, but it's hard to say because Ilya has, has uh, eight submissions and then four knockouts. So he's kind of won both ways. He can do, do it all. But I think most people think that uh, Ilya is the better striker and wants to keep, the, keep it standing. Cool. So we'll, we'll see. I think both guys are pretty good you know, in both areas. So that makes it really exciting. So you have been my nemesis regarding the Celtics in the playoffs for many years because you like, for some reason, the Miami Heat. Whether that's just to be on the opposite side of me or not, I don't know. Um, what do you think about Jalen Brown being in the slam dunk contest this weekend? I'm, I'm happy to see like good players stepping up and, and like it's exciting. Like mid, you know, this time of the season, All Star break is a great time to reflect on the first half of the season, see where the team stands. Look at like the MVP race. Look at uh, you know who do you think can contend for the championship. I think I think it's like a really good good time for that. Uh, and uh, I mean, there's some great MVP candidates this year. There are, and I will tell you, I read an article the other day, and I'm on board with it. Jason Tatum, as of like yesterday, was 40 to one. And I'm just going to tell you, when you're on the team that has like a 10 game lead over everybody else if that's the way things keep going like in the Celtics win all the way out here like they are at this current clip uh, how do you not at least make a case for the best player on that best team yeah I mean once you have the case for best player on best team you have a huge advantage for winning MVP that's a you know great opportunity you know who else who else is there to challenge him you got Jokic, Jokic who's like perennially there every year they lost um, three in a row Denver I think headed into the break they'd lost three in a row yeah 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 you got you know Giannis who's perennially there and, and that team doesn't like look that great yet right um but the two guys that I kind of like that I think are a sneaky picks is you got Kawhi in LA who's been healthy the whole year and looks like an absolute beast and I think SGA for uh, the Thunder, like he has a legit chance. He's averaging like 32 points Definitely. per game for like the number two or three team in the West. So, uh, you know, those two guys, I think, uh, are have to legit- legitimately be looked at. And I, I really like Kawhi. I-, I think like he's. If I have to pick what player do I want to start my team with going into the playoffs, it's Kawhi Leonard. Is it out west, though, all the teams, like the top four teams, are within a game of one another? Oklahoma City, Denver was up there, the Clippers. Um, Do you think that the fact that all those teams are so close to one another in the standings, does that impact the voting? Because in the end, really, Nikola Jokic is the best player in basketball. Can we all agree on this? I mean, statistically, this and that, just watching the games, he just doesn't make like nearly as many mistakes as the other guys do, in my mind. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. There is nobody better in the league than that guy. And it's just the eye test that tells you that. If you went purely by statistics, you're going to pick a guy like Luca, who's almost averaging a triple-double, right? But you watch Luca, and he can't play defense. 
right? Like that, that's not an right. MVP in my mind, right? You got to play both sides of the court. You watch Kawhi, and I mean, Kawhi is ripping balls out of people's hands, right? I mean, he, he, he looks like, you know, it, it, you can't go by that guy. He, I mean, he steals like downright lawful. Pistol, I'm going to tell you something. I just watched the other day. They came back from being down 15 against Golden State, I think it was, and Ty Lue got ejected from the game. There's a video out there, if you look on, on YouTube, of him going out back, and after they won, like he got mad at the refs. He said some stuff like uh, really anti-refs and that they were cheating in the game, trying to hold them back. But you see that team, the Clippers, going through the hallway, slapping high fives. Ty Lue has something brewing over there, man. I've been on the Clippers for years, and they've always let me down. Kawhi's injury, I think, has been the reason why most years. But I I think the Clippers are coming out of the West, if you ask me today. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi's got to be healthy. or You know, there's got to be healthy. And I think nothing would be cooler than a uh, Celtic-Clippers-like final. The biggest problem with the Clippers is do they have, you know, are the are the some of these big names going to choke right? Like Harden and Paul George have traditionally choked in the playoffs. It's hard to get up behind a team that's choking like that. But a lot of the times they look a lot better when Kawhi's healthy, right? Whenever exactly. Kawhi's healthy, they've looked awesome. And he's been playing. I know through forty three games, he had played forty of them, something like that. So like Kawhi is back to being right at the top of the basketball world. And when it comes to playoff time, like that dude's done it before, he's been clutch. They're right now, to win the West, the Clippers are plus 250. I didn't know this. They're the favorite to come out of the West Pistol. The Nuggets are plus 255. Then you go to the Suns, plus 650, and Timberwolves, plus 900. Can the Timberwolves make it there? I do think Anthony Edwards is a stud, and they got a good defensive team around him. Can Minnesota come out of the West? I don't love Minnesota just because I think Denver and L.A. are, are like, significantly better than them but it does come down to anthony edwards and then you know you got cat bombing you know the threes mm. you, you know they are a good defensive team uh so you know who knows some of these young teams it's really really hard to tell right you don't know what they're going to do like I, I i like the thunder more than i like minnesota but that's just you know it's their youth and enthusiasm and the way they play on the court uh you know, like i think they could cause a lot of problems and what about Golden State? Do you know last night, apparently, um, Clay Thompson came off the bench for the first time since he was a rookie. He got benched, uh, and he responded. Seven three-pointers, 35 points last night in a 140-137 win over the Utah Jazz. Did you know that? <laughs> Did anybody pretty... play defense in that game? <laughs> well, it's right, right, it, right. That is sad. But it is pretty cool. And from a coaching standpoint, it's like, dude, you need to know how to challenge these guys the right way. Obviously, coaching matters. You bench the guy, he come out with his best game of the year. That's not a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to see that he's got something left. I never like looking at the stats going into the All-Star break because I think half the teams are taking the week off. I mean, look at the Celtics game. They won by 50 points. You can't tell me that. Brooklyn was trying at all in that game. Like, they were pathetic. So, some of these games, you know, in the midseason when the season's been long, like, these teams just, like, give up and, you know, let you do whatever you want. It, you know, it's hard to say because I didn't see that game, whether it was that way or not. But I'd love for I'd love for Golden State to get back in the mix. It's nothing right. more fun than having Steph Curry in there. Well, that's my point. You know, they went through the trouble with Draymond Green, who now says kind of that that him being you know kicked out there and suspended for a while actually has turned the team in the right direction. It's a good thing for them. I, I'm rooting for Golden State to get there. It's like, and we can discount them, but do it at our own peril, man. That team always can make a run. They got the guys, and and like you said, the experience to do it. 
Yeah, you you got to love, like, there's some teams that are low in the West standings right now that could cause a lot of problems. But yes. Sacramento, I think, is one of those teams. Golden State is one of those teams. Uh, you know, I'm not big on the Lakers anymore because the Lakers are such slackers on defense. It's going to be hard to see them doing well. LeBron's going to make him play. Dude, they won the in-season tournament at the beginning of the year. They won a round or two last year in the playoffs. When it comes playoff time, LeBron ain't going to let guys be slackers on D. And Anthony Davis is playing great right now. Yeah, I, I, we'll see if they can flip the switch because that's what they're going to have to do. Pistol, you flipped the switch on today's show. Nice work. Thank you for that. That's why I say we're Next Generation Sports Talk Radio because we got the best callers in the country. You're listening to WKXL on 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com. Looking forward to a great weekend and then be back on Monday to talk about a bunch of different things. Have fun.